Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Hey, Reef Builders. Welcome to Reef Therapy, session number 72. Lots of stuff to cover today. Uh, Mark is back. Hey. Back again. What's up, Mark? Uh, we'll see if still alive. We'll see if sweet baby Jesus is in the building, and uh, we'll talk high-priced fish and our reefing origin stories. Plus, uh, we'll get to some of your comments if we've got time at the end. First, the beers. Uh, Raj, what are you drinking tonight? First, I've got another local beer, Terrapin Recreation Ale. I don't know if I've had this with you guys Ooh. before yet or not. It's got the turtle yeah, on there hiking. Saying. Look at that. It's like Mark. Oh, nice. <laughs> are you saying i'm slow <laughs> no comment <laughs> okay. uh, um, i'm pretty boring i've got a i've got a heineken concealed uh, concealed yeah. heineken i uh the, jack daniels oh. <laughs> so I, I i but i mixed oh, it i mixed it with some cherry pepsi thought you're going straight out of the bottle I was about to say, this is going to be an interesting one. Remy's going hard. And here's what else is wrong with... I took, I took Friday off from my radio job, and I have one of those jobs where taking off is more difficult than just going in. Um, so today is kind of like my Thursday, and tomorrow is kind of like my Friday, but we'll see. Nice. Because part of me just wants to go in and just do it because... My house doesn't really wake up until like 8 a.m. in the summer. And by that time, I only got two more hours of work, and then I can just come home after that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's Independence Day weekend. Um, do you stay awake little... when you get home? Like, do you just power through with your family and all that? No, I cannot. Yeah, I, I cannot. say. No. If I sit down, like today I powered through, but that's rare. Um, I'll have to – I've got a really comfortable couch down here, and I'll just – Got one of those big long blankets for six foot three people, and and I just lay down and take a little hour nap, and mm. you're super groggy after that, and it, it's not a good decision ever. But I just can't function without a nap. So my wife has uh, moved on my longer blankets on the couch. She doesn't like them, and now there's ah. a I don't know like a four and a half foot blanket, and I, they're, they're awful. They're awful. I get all kinds of stuff sticking out of it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably more like your wife because uh, my, both my kids and my wife have these big old blankets. And then it's like they sit on the couch and stare at their iPads, their phones, or the TV. And they nestle in like they're about to hibernate for six months. And I hate it because uh, when they're not sitting there, it looks like we've got like uh, people crashing on our couch constantly. You yeah. know, like people yep. come over and you're like, I'm. It just the living room looks like somebody's sleeping there. Like I like I'm in the doghouse yeah. and it's like, yeah, I had to sleep there last night. I had a bad fight <laughs> with the wife. You know, <laughs> and it's. Yeah. I get that, but it's not like we have people coming over to the house randomly all day every day. So you know, leave my yeah. blanket alone. <laughs> I try to I try to remind myself it's it's me that's the problem right it's the OCD like I like uncluttered things but that that's okay let it go and yeah my favorite is how my wife will whenever we do have people over like I was just telling Raj we've got when people hear this it will be the fourth of July um, but we've got thirteen people coming over to our house this weekend to my whole side of the my whole side of the family my brother sister their families are coming over. And my wife will like, like drape the 
drape the <laughs> like uh, the little uh, one of the blankets over over like the couch and over the chairs and stuff like they were just like tossed there and seconds after they're on the floor because they just kind of like fall off onto the floor yeah, do, you for, see, like, do you see how I have my blanket nicely <laughs> yes <laughs> that's see, perfect for like 30 seconds though, it looks like a page out of a magazine so exactly. you have to take that picture put it on Instagram like look at my house just a random picture all of 30, 30 seconds. I, oh, man. Apologies to the guy that just wants us to dive into <laughs> reef keeping because I'm. You, you brought up a thought that I've had for the last week of. And maybe you're. Everybody, everybody's experience growing up is different, but growing up, like my house was a mess. I'd go sleep over at my buddy's house in middle school, you know, play games, video games, hang out. Their house, I mean, I vividly remember it was just a freaking mess. Everybody's house was a mess. The kitchens were messy. And that was just life. And now everybody has to have the architectural digest home. Like everything is yeah. Instagram worthy or house.com worthy. Like, is that is that just me? Like, I was joking about this because we don't ever throw parties. And half the reason is we have anxiety that people walk in our house and are like, why do you have Lego sculptures like on your bookcase? And it's like, cause I have an eight year old, you know, it's because <laughs> um, you go, you go like somebody's like, Oh, we're having a, par- a barbecue. Come over to the house and you go over to their house and everything's perfect. Um, yeah. But it, I mean, again, faulty memories, right? Like, don't you feel like houses were just crazier in the past? Like everything was kind of thrown we- together and people were just surviving. Well, I mean, they're, they're perfect for when you come over. Yeah. But I, I think I get what you're saying though. They're they're decorated a lot better now because everybody gets to see everybody else's places. It's not just in a magazine now, now it's all online. And so there is a certain look that everybody goes for and it needs to look super nice and have all this all these stupid pillows everywhere and <laughs> Yeah. Fancy blankets that I'm not allowed to use that are draped over at an angle on on the sofa. It's gotta be at an angle. You can't just Straight yeah, yeah, always <laughs> chop chop the pillows. All the, I mean, the whole growing thing. up, my my house was clean. My mom was on point, and she kept oh, it she? spotless. We were poor, so we didn't have nice stuff, and it wasn't decorated nicely or anything. It probably, if I had photographs, it probably looked pretty ghetto. I'll I'll have to I'll have to <laughs> check next time I'm at my mom's place and see if we've got old photos, but. Yeah, it it was not a mess. My room even had to be pretty tidy. Yeah, I've always heard you want to be the opposite of your parents. So my my mom was always late to everything. So I'm always a half an hour early to everything. And I think that's the same for like our house was always a mess growing up. And so I feel like we all have that or maybe because my mom would always be like, oh, we can't have people over because the house is a mess. So maybe maybe that kind of translates a little bit too. I don't know. But uh, I, my mom you know, was we've... real OCD about cleaning. And I think growing up in a clean house makes me less comfortable with clutter because I, I just I'm not used to it. Right. So when my my wife and kids have their blankets and, you know, they're battening down the hatches like they're going to live there in the apocalypse. I'm like, <laughs> we're just going to watch a movie like we could just sit in, you know, so maybe some uh, I, I'm not like her because I don't love cleaning, but I'm used to uh, less clutter, I guess. They, they just want to be comfortable, Mark. 
Let him be. Yeah, I try to remember that the problem is me. You know, <laughs> it always Taylor is. Taylor Swift over here. It always yep. is me. So it's okay. She's the problem. <laughs> it's you. Uh, let's get into a little bit of a little bit of tank talk. Um, Mark, anything you got? Update wise, regal wise. Yeah, so the regal was dead when I came back from backpacking, and then yesterday I found my flame angel that I've had forever dead. So uh, I hope it's not a pattern where I just slowly start to lose fish. I don't know why. Uh, I don't see any disease or parasites on any of the other fish, nor have I introduced anything really new lately. So I don't know what's going on. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's also kind of weird that it's, you know, angelfish. Maybe they had, you know, like angelfish get gill flukes and stuff a lot. I don't know. I have a wrasse in there that's happy. I've got a swallowtail angel, uh, genicanthus. He's good still, although I say that. I better knock on the you know, next weekend. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, I'm wondering if it's, um, you know, when you think about something and then it happens. Um, so I was sitting there like, well, the regal's gone. I could start moving, you know, my trackies and some of my fleshy LPS out of the basement tank up into the main tank. But then I was like, yeah, but that flame angel, he's still an X factor. He might, he might pick on those fleshy corals too. And so I was thinking about that and then he died. So maybe the universe was like, oh, let me help you with that problem. I don't know. I I don't want I don't mean to make light or joke about a fish dying. I just, I don't know what the, what's going on. Um, what's the, I think what's the typical lifespan of, uh, angels like, or a, a flame angels, like what, five to seven years or something like that. Have you had it that long? Yeah, I have. And I remember it was a cops. I don't know if, uh, I forget John Coppolino. I remember a long time ago, he's talking about like once they start to have that hump on their head. I don't know if you've ever seen that, like a very mature central pygy has like a, he'll have like a little bit of a hump and a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like a like a, almost like a bump on their head and then like a slope. Yeah. It, you know, I remember him giving advice a long time ago about like it don't grab that guy from the fish store because he's he's old. And um n- yeah, possibly because my fish started to have that, you know, he's pretty well grown. But regal angels, the larger angels, I mean the Nancy Aquarium in France had I remember back in the day reading about them having some of these larger angels for thirty years. So I don't know. Um, it's it's probably me. I messed something up, um, or something weird's going on. Um, maybe my neighbor started getting a mosquito treatment. You know, which that has permethrin in it, and mm. permethrin's not too good for aquatic life. Who knows? Because uh, I, I have been pumping in fresh air into the skimmer uh, and trying that out. On a happier front, uh, my Father's Day gift was late. Uh, it finally arrived, and um, it, big kudos. My wife came up with the idea, and my daughters, she's got a, she's very creative. Um, so they they made this. <laughs> Wait, you can't see it. It is a dark mark portrait. Yeah, I like how you're, I'm all you're like the out, like, yeah, you're the shadow yeah, of I'm yourself, the, the shadow character with my reef tank in the background. They were highly <laughs> amused by the, the commentary around that. Um, I do cuss like a sailor at home, so they, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure they found it amusing that, um, you know, there's this, di- is it dichotomy? Is that the right word? Between, like, 
how one behaves in a podcast <laughs> and how one behaves at home and <laughs> Um, I think it should go. I see the. Is that a Fender? Like, looks like a, like a schematic of a, oh, of a Fender Port should right go right there. under that. Put it right there. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'd actually have something reef related back there. Yeah. I do have a. It's off camera. I do have a poster. I went to Magna in the year two thousand, and uh, I had Peter Wilkins uh, sign it. Oh. Who's like the godfather of reef keeping for anyone that know you know is curious? But remind me, I have that is up there for you guys. Oh, nice! Yeah, these are great. Oh. You're gonna love them. I'm excited oh. now. <laughs> your your I smile feel like this is like '70s is, uh, Playboy. Yeah, or something. they're reef related. <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, Mark. That hurts. <laughs> well, look at that I grin. Can, <laughs> it's just because I'm happy. I'm happy to give you a oh, gift. Okay. And all I'm all right. getting now yeah. is all this flack, this lack of trust. <laughs> you know, this is why this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. See the problem Here's with me a, again. <laughs> I have a uh, this. This might be a wild. We're getting all the smoke from the Canadian wildfires. That probably oh, wow. didn't reach Still? you guys. Did it? No. Like we, I think I think there was a shift in wind patterns or warm front, cold front, something like that. And now Chicago currently is looks like New York did a couple weeks ago, where oh, you wow. can't like see Shit. the skyline, and it's actually swept down. We're on the edge in the St. Louis, like the bi-state Illinois Missouri region. But like I woke up this morning and went to work, and it looked like it was foggy. Uh, just like a typical foggy morning, but I'm wondering if you're pumping in air. I don't. That's you guys are really probably too far point. south for, We're not seeing anything for that down to happen. Here, but yeah, I I came back from running and my wife was like, "Do you notice that the quality of light is weird? I wonder if that's related to the fires or something." And I was like, "Well, I just ran outside for an hour. You know, you think I would have been yeah feeling it? Um, so I, I don't think we're." Yeah, I don't think we're affected. I don't know. Just the just the hypothesis. It's a I don't good know. one. Interesting. I, I could, uh, thanks, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's Canadians are probably hating me right now Canadian for saying that. For but. sending their bad <laughs> mojo down. Uh, they're like, you think it's bad for you guys? <laughs> Deal with the smoke. Yeah, but it's it's uh, our our air quality here has been. I don't know if you guys are dealing with ozone stuff, but. Our air quality here in St. Louis for the past two months, we've had an air quality alert. Like wow. Alexa will pop on and be like, uh, "Air quality alert, ozone in the area or whatever." Oh. And uh, that's been like two months now. Um, my son is very inquisitive and asks Alexa every single day what the air is like now, which is a weird thing to hear your six-year-old say. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, asking, I guess. Uh, Mark, you got anything else on uh, tank stuff? Uh, no, I mean, um, the Regal death definitely threw the nutrients out of whack a little bit. And I did have some turfy algae on my, um, uh, not sand bed, but uh, I used that reborn, you know, calcium reactor as a substrate. So I just, I just, you know, long-term, slow approach, obviously pull the dead fish out step one <laughs> um step two did a lot of water changes and i just figure if things kind of go back to normal that'll resolve itself so kind of waiting that out not doing anything too drastic with it i may swap out the substrate because when i did it it was the um 
new school reborn media and now the old school reborn media is back or it's i saw it at um restock and i went up to julian i'm like that's awesome and he's like yeah it's been back for like a year you know i'm like okay (laughs) i didn't know Um, it was back either yeah, you know, like the big, the stuff that looked like the, um, oh, what was that, Chiron? Remember, it used to be Chiron Media that you would buy, the German company, and yeah. they had that. And then Reborn. So, yeah, I, I like that. I, I wouldn't mind my substrate to be that older school, bigger, crushed coral. Um, so I may, I may uh, since it's already, I'm already battling a little bit of a turfy problem, just pull it out and put the new stuff in. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. Look at that. So that's two water changes in a row proud of you yeah one was automated by the dose which i know uh you have you have your thoughts on the other one was old school with the the python and you know yeah nice get that out uh raj any updates on on your end well i mean i've been at the beach for a little bit so you know i really haven't done a whole lot but your video in the last therapy was, was pretty bad. Tough to work with, yeah, my friend. That was rough. <laughs> That's corrected, by but, the way. Wow. <laughs> as as good as I could do. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not in a well lit room. Um, I was I was outside in a, in the uh, uh, what do you call it the screened in porch, and gotcha. that had the can lights you know, in the ceiling. So I'm sitting right underneath one to try and get direct light. I had grabbed a lamp from inside and put it close by to give some additional light. But that was the only, I mean, we had the bedrooms, but that was just felt really weird to sit there in a bed and and talk to you guys. So (laughs) I didn't want to do that. That was kind of my only other option. Should have done it from like the swim up bar in the pool, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I I could have done that if it was during the daylight, but it was, you know, it was it was late. But yeah, sorry. All good, all good. Uh, I feel like most people just kind of put it on in the background and just listen anyway. Uh, I feel sorry for the people who are actually watching our faces the entire hour. (laughs) It's a treat. It's a treat. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about your take. So, what do you got going on, man? As you can see, kind of in the—I don't know if you'll be able to see this in the cropped version, but you can see the blue tape over my shoulders. That's where the tank is going to go. Um, but the lagoon is still there. But after this podcast, it will be moving. It's essentially like—it's it, not. A, it wouldn't be a Rubik's cube, but what's uh, there's like games where you would move the shapes around to tetris. get the colors to get like candy crush kind of thing going on down tetris. here tetris tetris um there's like a tetris thing going on down here i gotta move some things out of the way down here i've got the uh the trough ready to go so i just need to get the frag tank taken down which i don't know if you guys have ever had an emotional experience taking down a tank but i feel like that might be it for me um so I've just, I think this is my longest tank. I've had it for like six years now or something. Like everybody's all happy. Like the clowns are chilling, spawning every two weeks. That's you know, nice. Yeah. My population is in the, you know, they're just all happy and good. And now I'm going to disrupt everything. <laughs> I've never had to disrupt my tank. My emotional breakdown of a tank was in the, after a crash and you're pulling out all these mm. monster colonies and, you know, fish that you've had for so long, and 
That was awful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different kind of emotional. Yeah. It was a bad emotional. Yeah. The last yeah. teardown, big teardown I had to do, well, I guess second to last now, but uh, it was the same size tank as the one you're getting. And I had so many battles in that tank, especially with uh, dino flagellates. And then the day I decide, like, oh, uh, you know, that room that... Because I, I had a reef tank in the main part of the house, and then young kids, we wanted an area for them to play uh, and have toys and make big messes. So I, you know, did the right thing. I was like, all right, I'll move my tank down to the basement where... And this was pre-COVID, pre-working from home. I'm like, I'll never see it, but that's okay because nobody hangs out down here. Um, anyway, so kids outgrew that room hey, let's put the tank back where, you know, people can see it. And it's just the irony of that tank was such a struggle. And then finally, it's like I put the order in for the new tank, and then that tank just started jiving. <laughs> Everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. And then it's like, oh, I got to tear this down and go back through the uglies and all the ups and downs and instability of a new system. And it just was it's kind of a downer to I, I can sort of feel what you're feeling there of like ah you don't want to disrupt something especially when it's if it's like overgrown with algae you're like well i gotta reset this thing anyway or you know but yeah I it definitely it. still needs a reset but i just i've had it for a while and you know it's it's one of those one of those emotional things in that regard but uh just yeah put on some nostalgic sad 80s music in the background <laughs> on spotify and you know just do it you know cry a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah well you you sent me a couple of pictures of your 625 and it it was beautiful thanks like, yeah that thing looked awesome that was so. right before teardown so <laughs> <laughs> then it's prime damn it yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, I'm going through all of that right now. It's the game of Tetris is so real because it's like you can you can't like this thing has to happen before this thing can happen, and then this thing has to happen before this thing can happen. So I'm moving the lagoon to the other side. I'm keeping that one up for now, tearing the frag tank down, then building the stand, the Red Sea stand here. I hate flat pack stuff. I hate it with a passion. Like there's no reason for a stand that big to be so compact. Ugh. (laughs) They're built so many things for my children that came in a box like this big that's supposed to be six feet tall. Um, So I'm not looking forward to that. But, uh, and then I've got my family coming this weekend. So I want to make sure that that stand is built and ready to go so that I can utilize my brother and my brother-in-law and free uh, labor, my co-host fiance to, you know, pull it down here and going to go get the suction cups from the local fish store and all that. So just a lot of, a lot of labor right now. Are you breaking down the lagoon to move it or are you just kind of dropping the water level and then moving it? I'll drop it. It's a 25, so it's not going to be too bad. Um, But I'll drop it most of the way. Like, I'll do a good water change and everything on it. And while it's low, I'll move it over to the other side. I just... The unfortunate part is that every single one of my systems has a pair of clownfish in it. And I don't want to set up, like, dividers in this thing and all of that. So I'm just keeping that up for now. Uh, Fish that I've never met. Man, I just don't want them to meet. <laughs> I've got my my assessor, my golden assessor in this lagoon, and I love that fish so much, and I just I don't want anything to happen to it. So until everything is stable with the new tank, will I think about moving any of that old livestock? 
you, and I'm a little reluctant to do that anyway, but because um, this frag tank has seen every single pest known to mankind and probably still exists there. I'm really afraid of the giant bristle worms in that sump because I guarantee you there are some fat mamas in there. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can't have the different fish meat. That's that's worlds colliding. Do you remember the uh, yeah. Seinfeld episode with that where Jerry told Elaine to hit up um, what's-his-face's fiancé, uh, George's fiancé, and then they kind of... They went out and did something together. And George comes over and is like, what the hell? Worlds collide. You're ruining everything. And it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they see each other from across the room, but I don't know yeah. how they do, That's, do you, uh, physically. Do you have an acclimation box? Um, yeah. yeah I've, got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of different like random things. You know, That's been a game changer for me because it's – even like adding a new tang after you've already had tangs in there, it's um, they get really pissy, but then they get bored after three days. And then, you know, you open up the little gate and they're just like, yeah, I've seen you already a million times, you know, they're like over it. <laughs> um, that, that helps. Yeah. I, there's guys that like plan it all out and whiteboard it and have like project management skills Whenever I've torn stuff down or upgraded, it's always been this crazy haphazard up until three in the morning, all nighters, yep. lots of beer, mess, wet floor. I just, I'm very impatient. Like, I just want to like, like, let's just get it done, you know? And uh, so I've never been good about planning stuff out like that. It just tends to be this crazy three days where my wife's like, all right, well, we'll see you, you know, and <laughs> think you'll eat dinner with to us me. tonight. I'm like, no, I don't know time to eat. I'll just, you know, I just feel like you're eating while you're, I don't know. I just, I, I, yeah. I get that momentum and I just want to keep going rather than yeah, wait the first, it out. The first couple of videos that I did for the Reef Builders channel, um, Doug and Paul's Reef, Paul was the one with the uh, eco wheel and Doug was the one with the like super elaborate system for his 300. Uh, Doug is a pharmacist by trade, so he's very detail oriented. And Paul had like, I, I think he, I think he went to either Purdue. I think it was Purdue. Uh, he was an engineering student. So it was like all of these like lists and, <laughs> and all like, he knew everything about every tank and he knew where like the Ecotech or the Eco, um, Eco wheel manual, he had two or three different copies of it. He knew exactly where those were and he pulled one out. It was, it was nuts to see the, you know, meticulous nature of these guys, but I take a little bit of inspiration, but I'm still probably going to do your, your style there, Mark. <laughs> and I'll choose tomorrow to, to be up until 3am or whatever. And, and uh, then just like trudge into work and do a half-ass show on the air. And my co-host would be like, what's wrong with you? Did you go out last night? Yes, yes. I did. I partied <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> Why do you have super glue all over your hands? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't question you know me it's about that freaky stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know it's bad when you're like reading the PVC glue, like how soon can I run water through here? Like, is it really like, could I, I mean like two hours is good, right? Like I could probably just start moving stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've done that where I'm like, I mean, how toxic is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Can't be that bad. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest, uh, one of the big, uh, articles that we've got on the rebuilder site right now is, and it kind of caused a stir on Facebook as well. 
the Koi Tang article that Jeremy posted. And there were a couple that came up on the market recently for that $29,000 to $32,000 price range. And uh, just before the podcast, you had sent us one, yeah. Mark. And I think he referenced it in the article, that same one. It's, oh, like, really? a, it's like white mainly. And then it's got some, some yellows and blacks in it or whatever. But is a Koi Tang or really any fish worth $30,000? I, <laughs> I'm trying to answer this based on some of the comments I got about me being somewhat negative and gloomy. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I try to remember that. For some people in this world, $30,000 is pocket change, right? So some people spend that on airfare because they use private jets to fly from Atlanta to L.A., and that's just how they prefer to fly, and they don't care that it costs. I like So it, worth is relative to the individual. Um, in terms of the intrinsic value of the fish, there's a lot of koi tangs out there, and some are like 700, and some are 30,000, and it's really just the judgment call of the seller to be like, well, this one's, you know, like that one that's really white, uh, you know, like similar to Worldwide Corals Casper, that is pretty cool. That one's cool. Yeah. Uh, is it 30K cool? For me, subjectively speaking, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's not pocket change in my world, so... Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know. Is that a good answer? <laughs> That's a great answer. It's fantastic. A lot of people were talking in the comment section of Facebook about how you could buy one and it'll change colors on you. So, yeah. I mean, it, it with mood or, yeah. you know, just how they do or it could change over time. I think even Casper got some yellow in him, didn't he? I don't know. If but I'm not the, mistaken, um, it did change. It's not totally change. white anymore. Is it Ebly or Ibly Centropygies, the Xanthic ones that were coming in for a while? Uh, I know Jake had a couple, and they churn, they returned back to their normal color. That'd be oh, okay. a bit of a downer, you know? Yeah. Well, because, yeah. I mean, your I think your options there, it's, a, it's either a mutation, right, a genetic mutation, where it's not really going to change very much, or it was environmental. Like there's yeah. some factor in wherever part of the reef that they're living that's causing that. And now that you've removed that external factor, they go back to the color they're supposed to be. Yeah. 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 No way to tell. That would, yeah. I think spending $30,000 on a, on a koi tang and then it just turning yellow, you know? I mean, people spend uh, more than that on koi. You know, you have $100,000 plus koi. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's normal in that world. I mean, normal that you're getting these six figure koi that's there's a lot of them but like mark said it's relative if you've got it, it not even it doesn't even have to be pocket change for for me for that to be okay because everybody has their vice you know like if you're really into True. guitars you'll spend a lot of money on a fancy guitar and to me i can't play a guitar don't know anything about them <laughs> I don't get it, right? It looks no different than a $300 guitar. But, yeah. and, and it's the same thing, but that person that is really into the guitar gets a lot of satisfaction from owning it and having it and looking at it and maybe playing it. Uh, that's the ROI. Somebody had commented, like, it's, it's a dumb investment. It's not an investment. 
but it is because you're buying it for not a monetary return, but you're buying it for whatever pleasure you're getting out of it or, you know, with a guitar for the use if you are going to use it. So it's unfair when, when you, when people criticize somebody for spending some, spending money on something that they genuinely want and love. I, I mean, I agree with that. And your example is a good one because my, I've got two holy grail fish, right? Uh, one is un, unobtainium right now. Uh, and that's the resplendent angel. And I'm an idiot for not buying one when Frank uh, Bench, is that how you say his last name? Who's uh, located in Hawaii, but he bred them for a while in the early 2000s. And they were available on Live Aquaria and Divers Den. Um, good luck getting a resplendent angel today, right? From Ascension Island, there's no collection there. It's a British military base. Uh, my other holy grail is a conspic angel. I've said that a million times on this podcast. I love that fish. I would love to create a species tank just for that fish. Just like that's the fish and everything else that goes in it is based on that fish. Um, The price of that guitar is about the same or if not more than a conspic angel. And I've said on the podcast, like I can't justify spending three to four grand on a fish right? I just can't wrap my head around it. But I could wrap my head around buying that, right? Um, Now there's, I could argue it, right? Like if I sell that thing, I will get most of my money back and it's not going to die and end up in my trash can, right? Um, So it's from an investment argument, like I could get most of my money back when I'm done enjoying that. But um but to me, an in, like spending like a few thousand on a really nicely built quality instrument made sense to me. Whereas to like a fish, when I just had two angelfish die and I don't know why, and I, I'm not doing anything weird. I didn't introduce anything weird. Nothing's weird in the pH or in my test kits or it just died. And I don't know why. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like I'm faultless for its death, but I just don't know what, I, what could have gone wrong that happens to a $3,000 fish, I'm going to be really upset about it. You know, some people yeah. wouldn't. Some people would be like, well, you pay for the experience and, you know, you experience keeping a fish for three, four years and that's okay. So I mean, if you, something happened to your guitar, you'd be upset too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it'd have to get stolen or right, something. You could right? drop it. <laughs> and yeah, I could drop it. Right. I mean, there's any number of things that for, can happen to you. Your kids could get into it and do what kids do. Right. They can, see. Yeah. But that's what's funny about this one is this one is relict. I don't know if you've ever heard that oh, term. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 They basically like take it, drag it around with a, on the back of a car or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> purposely it beat up and you pay extra for that. Nice. But it's kind of yeah. nice because my eight-year-old picks it up and like hits the door, like hits the, hits the wall with it. And I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> it's worth more now. <laughs> you've increased its value. Yeah. Is it a, for those guitar heads out there, is it a Fender Stratocaster? Yes. Yeah. It's a, it, but it's, so people do it because like you buy a brand new guitar, it's shiny, but it doesn't have a lot of, um, I hate using this word, but like mojo vibe, like it doesn't really like spur the creativity and, and then, uh, sort of like a really worn in pair of shoes or jeans, like 
I was very against relic. And I was like, it's it's phony. It's you know, it's like you didn't earn those stripes. Like that's not wear and tear from you playing it in bars for twenty years. It's it's fake, right? You're a poser. And then I went into a guitar shop and I played like a really like, and it's not heavily relic. It's lightly relic. Like it's, I don't know. It's been sitting under somebody's bed for fifty years, right? But then you pick it up and it feels worn in and comfortable and it plays better. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I get why people like it. It's like a, the like a, a, an old beat up 1960s Strat is like 20, 30 grand. Like that Koi Tang, right? I can't afford that. This gives me the same somewhat experience of something that's broken in and plays well for three grand. Okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but so, so you could afford the three thousand dollar guitar, and there's somebody out there looking at you and saying that guy's crazy to spend three thousand on it. I can buy that guitar for. I mean, yeah, I don't know, and how much probably does a making go for. Uh, you can buy one made in Mexico for seven hundred dollars. That plays just just as well as that, there right? Like so it's that not... guy that can buy it for seven hundred is looking at you, going, "Yeah, you, you're you're an idiot. Why would you spend that much?" And it's or, the same you know, like there's from that 3,000 to 30,000. But I, don't you think some of it's also like with some of the comments, like maybe direct, I didn't read the comments on in social media about the Tang, but sometimes they start to get where you think it's sort of rooted in a bit of jealousy or like. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah. well, you suck. Like you got or you're a poser. You got like a, you, you paid somebody to beat up a guitar for you. Like you're lame. And it's like, okay, but that's what I chose to do with my money. You know, it, um, I want you to be happy with your $700 guitar. Like, why don't you let me be happy? You know, so there's that. Like, I, I'm not going to judge somebody for spending 30 grand on a fish if they can afford it, right? Most of the comments were pretty fair. You know, they were like, okay. it's not worth it to me. I think that fish is ugly or whatever it is. But then there were yeah. those that had that, you know, hint of jealousy or envy in there where they're criticizing that person for spending that much money, calling them idiots. And this is what's wrong with the hobby is, right, and things like right. that. And I, I yeah. get that. I mean, I've, I've said similar things where I think the, the crazy pricing on stuff and the collectoritis culture, it doesn't appeal to me, right? Like yeah. some people get joy of having things that are very expensive and rare swimming around their tank or like I'm the only one that has this or and and I that doesn't appeal to me. But um, I don't know, you know, there's I'm tr- I'm trying to be less gloomy and be more like, you know what, let let everybody <laughs> let everybody experience this hobby the way it is. You know, I do I long for the old days sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I think that was more the sciency part and it's more of a testament of how far we've come again this is a positive like listen to me being all positive i think me being nostalgic for the past is a testament to how far this hobby has come because we don't need to argue for hours about how to keep things anymore keep things alive right it was like we had to science this crap to figure out like how to keep i mean uh, in 86, and that's really long ago, but the Audubon Society wrote this nasty article about the hobby and that like corals didn't live longer than a few months. And I remember, it, I think it was Julian Sprung, like they interviewed him and he was like, look at my 15 gallon tank that I'm growing Acropora in, you know, and it's grown onto the glass, you know. Um, but we were, I mean, we were still figuring stuff out. And now it's like, 
it's it, people still struggle with algae issues and dinos and parasites and we still debate whether we should quarantine or but like we've kind of figured it out right like it's follow this recipe like red sea has a reef keeping recipe to follow now and and that's a good thing so now we can focus on collecting and just grabbing stuff you know yeah is that uh, one of the enough? greatest <laughs> yeah one of the greatest uh, guitar players in country music in my mind keith urban uh, we were talking to him once, and he said that he relics his guitars by himself. Uh, so you're in good company. So I should buy a $700 guitar, get some screwdrivers and hammers, and just... <laughs> That's what he said. He said that his favorite thing to use on it is chains. <laughs> it's kind of kind of yeah. kinky. Uh, but wasn't that Van Halen's <laughs> like big thing where he would modify his guitars? That's why he used to play with his back to the audience, so they couldn't see what modifications he had made to get the sounds that he got that's similar well, and, yeah. right i'm not a guitar person so i don't i don't yeah. the closest i got to ever wanting a guitar um as an adult was a friend of mine worked for this guitar company called bendetto guitars have you guys ever heard of them i haven't no. no gorgeous like absolutely beautiful and i just wanted one because they were so gorgeous you know they were just really really cool not that I would have done anything with it. I can't play it. I'm not going to learn to play it at this point. But it was just one of those things where you see something that's so amazing. You're like, oh, I want that. I don't even know what well, the hell we were talking about now. I'm lost in my... <laughs> we're talking about koi tanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it never... The other thing, I'll say one last thing about the guitar thing is um, progress, right? Same, same, similar with cars now, right? It's like, well, we took this... This, this was an inefficient design, and we figured out a better way to do this, and we figured out a better way to do that. So when you buy a modern Stratocaster, it's way different than the way they used to build them in the 50s and 60s. And um, when you pick up a some sometimes better or, or better decisions in manufacturing don't always equate to, you know, and this is subjective, right? But... Um, when I started to pick out guitars that were built true to 60s specs, I was like, oh, I'm at home. Like, this feels like home. And, um, you know, part of it is, like, how they carve the back of the neck, that, like, that semicircle kind of thing. And and so it, the, the, the downside is that Fender as a company, all of their old school guitars are relict. Like, you can custom order them to look like they've never been beat up. But none of the stores sell them that way. So you, you almost like if huh. you want something that's it's like like I want to drive a Chevy from the 60s with a manual stick shift. It's like you can't order it brand new like they, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. So there, there's that piece, too. Right. But um, way too much guitar talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it goes to show that, you know. There, there's a little bit of risk involved, obviously, with a live animal. That changes your decision-making process when it comes to uh, what you're going to put your money into. Obviously, if you have three, thirty, whatever thousand dollars to put into a fish, and that's like no big deal to you. I, I don't know why Andrew Sandler comes to mind every time we talk about stuff like this, but I mean, the guy can just go out and get what he what he wants and not, not blink an eye at it. I mean, just seeing because we just had uh, Evie at his house and kind of doing an update on Jake's corals and things like that. And we'll get to all that, all that video in the future. But I mean, just, just the, 
he had some wrought iron butterflies in there, a pair. They were just gorgeous and just so many different fish that all have these different stories. And you know that they're not cheap. What is a what does a wrought iron butterfly go for? Like three to five thousand dollars? Yeah. Well, he has so, he has personatus angels. He's got oh god, he's got some really rare pygmy angels. He's got I think a narcosis angel. Does he have a peppermint? He I think he, he did, did at one point. It was in that small tank in that same room. But what's the one that's even rarer than that that was on display at the Waikiki? And he has one. Oh shoot, it's gonna drive me crazy. Uh, I was shocked he had one of those because I think uh, you know. I think there's only been one on public display ever, and then there's one in formaldehyde, you know, <laughs> in a museum, and then he has one. Uh, shoot, oh well, yeah, it's not going to come to me, but somebody yeah. will mention it in the comments. I saw that Jeremy posted up something about uh, what's your favorite angelfish, or what's the grail, or the goat, the greatest of all time angelfish. What you commented something on that, Raj? It was very cryptic. Something about catching peppermints or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, Central yeah. Pygy Abbey is the one I think he has. Oh, okay. A-B-E-I. I remember when those were yeah. on the market. Um, really? Yeah. Oh. There's a few. I don't know what happened to them or who oh. bought them, but I remember seeing them. How much? It's like yellow under black yeah, on top and then like a white stripe around the... Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I remember when one went on display at the Waikiki, it was like, wow, a living one. And then, you know, it's just, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. My bad. Um, no, it's a, it's a collection device uh, called the Subcass. And uh, Matt Wendell, when he was working at the Steinhardt Aquarium, he actually, you know, took the lead, designed this thing kind of, and we worked with him, went back and forth with all these prototypes and different versions. And he was hand making his prototypes at first. And then, you know, we got involved and helped him kind of polish it out a lot better and um, make the tolerances a lot tighter that they need to be. And this allows you to catch those deep water fish and actually bring them up alive. Because that was the trouble oh, before okay. is, you know, having to go through deco with them. And it's so tough for a fish to do that. So most of those specimens that were brought up were specimens they would be, you know, killed to have on display to study, uh, put in formaldehyde to kind of check them out. But now you can kind of safely bring them up and um, have them on display or have them in your tanks. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It looks like you guys might have just taken inspiration from an RODI chamber. There's there's a whole lot more that goes into it than that. Uh, <laughs> it looks yeah, like it. <laughs> there's a lot, and um, I'll I'll share some photographs with you. There's some amazing pics that I have of the unit uh, or the device in use. Um, there's uh, Rolex actually did a really cool thing with it um, when they made uh, Luis Roca one of their amb- ambassadors, and. Uh, in one of their videos or ads, they had the device in that, which was super cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, this is a really cool, I'm looking at some pictures of it right now. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, what's the, what's the, the deep water? What's the, does it start with a B? Um, Boiler? gosh, they, they bring them in every once in a while to the fish store. 
hard to get them. It, it's 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 always a struggle to get them to eat prepared foods. Uh, what's the? I'll think of it. Starts yeah. with a B. Like this, the scientific name starts with a B. I could be wrong on that. It's a fish. Yeah. Hmm. They're like a pink blotchy. Um, oh, Barbonius Antheus? Barbonius, oh, Barbonius yeah. Antheus, yeah. Are they pink? Yeah, I thought they that's were the picture that I'm looking at yellowish. right now. Well, yeah, they're like a yellowish, pinkish, kind of blotchy, at least the ones yeah. that I've seen. I had a pair of those, and they were so, so cool because they would hang upside down in a little cave in my tank. They were the coolest fish. Yeah. They love not coming out, <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> Mine were always See, out to me. Out. <laughs> to me, spending again different price tag, but spending let's say you know a lot more money on a peppermint angel or a deep water narcosis angel, I can wrap my head around that better than just a um, a scopus tang that's got weird coloration. You know what I mean? It's uh, I don't know because just you know it comes from these depths and it's hard to collect and it's uh, something very few people get to see. Um, you know, so if I was uh, an evil millionaire with my Scrooge McDuck safe, like that's where I'd probably go. I'd, you know, I saw a peppermint at Inner Zoo in 2016. Uh, De Young Marine Life brought it there. And that was awesome to see one in person. I, you know, that was like, well, I, I'll, I'll only ever see that fish in pictures. And then to see one just poking around in the rock work was like really cool. That's cool. Yeah. So all your opinions are valid <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> I saw, so we, we always post stuff on our radio station, Facebook page on the daily. And gosh, you want to talk about a cesspool of just, haters and trolls and people that don't like life uh there was somebody that hit the nail on the head so hard we uh we were talking about ryan seacrest and how he just he just took over for pat sajak or he's the next in line for pat sajak on the wheel of fortune and so we we posted up what do you think of this you know and everybody's like oh hey you know whatever change sucks blah 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 but there's this one guy that goes it's the internet. So 90% of people won't care. 5% will like it. And 95% of the comments will be from 5% of those who hate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I go, that is like every Facebook post of all time. So, but yeah, there's always the one guy. We all know the guy who's just going to hate, <laughs> just going to throw out well, the hate. What is, what is the, um, there's a term for this, but if you want, like if you want the right answer to something, don't ask the question but present the incorrect answer because if you just ask the question it's it's highly unlikely that somebody's going to respond back and give you the right answer but if you put a false yeah. statement out there you'll have a million people chime in and be like you're a moron this is what it actually is and you, there's a phenomenon it, it has a name and I can't, I can't think of it but it's exactly that right people will dive in to tell you how dumb you are and how wrong you are but they won't come in yeah. to help you yeah man isn't that the truth it's a good way to do it yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> you start seeing a bunch of wrong information on the refill there's facebook page we're just That's fishing right. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a, a i guess one other thing i wanted to talk about before we get to some comments is just your origin story i feel like we may have popped into this i know a lot of people know 
Mark and you know you've been on this podcast since its inception for the most part, right? Um, but what are like as, as a part of a character building exercise? Um, what's your origin story into the hobby? Um, obviously, you're Raj. You're pretty ingrained from like a business perspective now. But how did how did this all start for you? Gosh, we had a a guppy tank uh, when I was when I was a kid, and I was mesmerized by these things and mesmerized that they would reproduce so readily and easily. And you know, you would start off with just a handful, and next thing you know, your whole tank is full of them. And we had this cool little divider thing that when you saw your pregnant guppy, you would put it in that little, I don't know, pregnancy tank and all the babies <laughs> would float through the bottom and you would catch them in, in this other part of the tank. And then you release the mother back in and you raise the babies, put them back in your tank. And you know, the whole cycle just keeps going. And to me, that was the coolest thing. And I would sit there as a kid and just watch these things. Um, and that tank was just in the house when we got the house. So it was something that was inherited. It was built in. It wasn't huge, but it was there, and it was really cool. Uh, and then we never had a tank again. So I didn't have an aquarium until I got to college. And in my apartment, I was like, man, I want an aquarium, but now I'm going salt. And so I went down to the local fish store. They set me up with a 29-gallon, made that my reef, and... Uh, that's where I started learning and I read everything. Um, I was geeking out on just research. And back then, you know, this was um, late 90s. There wasn't that much on the internet. And what was on the internet was mostly just garbage. Um, Garf was a really big source for me. I, I learned it, like I read everything they did. Terrible website, but lots of great info. Um, Garf at geocities.com. <laughs> Angel fire. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, Fenner, uh, great resource, read all the books, any book that was out, I would, I would read. But I was in college, so I had access to the university libraries where you can go in and read actual, like, legit papers and things like that. So really started geeking out at that point. And it wasn't supposed to be a business. But graduate, you know, you start making some real money and you're thinking, or I'm thinking, I want a big ass fish tank. Like that was it. And I'm shopping for a house. Everything revolved around, is there a cool space for this big aquarium I'm going to do? <laughs> Those are some great houses, but they didn't have a cool spot for the tank. And I walked out and I was like, nope, it's not going to cut it. Agent was not happy with me about that stuff. Like I was super difficult to work <laughs> with. <laughs> uh, still are uh, well you know <laughs> but that was it i mean i was i was just a you know a hobbyist and i wanted a big aquarium and went through and bought everything everybody that was making equipment um all the major manufacturers you know germany italy bringing all that stuff in um and i hated it all like it didn't do what i wanted it to do and that really pushed me to kind of get involved, uh, put up or put up or shut up moment. And that's kind of how I landed in the business side of things and in the industry and just kept learning, kept doing nothing exciting. I mean, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of our origin stories though start with spawning. Ooh, so that's kind of hot. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'll, Mark, I'll let you go first. If you want to, if you want to talk about your, 
the first tank or what got you into it? My mom may paint a different picture, but this is how I remember it. Uh, I remember my brother got a fish tank, and I was the little brother, and I was jealous. So then my dad was like, all right, just get him a fish tank too. So I just had like this tiny five-gallon with a couple of goldfish on it, in it. Um, And then I, I don't remember that I was too young, but apparently then me and my cousin were lighting matches and then putting the matches out in the fish tank. Because, you know, when you're that age, fire is cool. Um, So that would be my first fish tank. Uh, That was back in the Netherlands. We moved stateside. Um, Started with some goldfish from a department store. And then, you know, you start reading the books of, like, how to take care of it. And, like, even back then, the books were like, you can't keep a goldfish in a bowl. Like, it's going to get big. And so we start... Next thing you're buying a bigger tank. Um, so I did freshwater elementary school, I think third, fourth grade through, uh, yeah, through middle school. Eighth grade, uh, there was a someone in a family friend's neighborhood selling a larger tank, which was only 55 gallons. But to me, that was a really big tank. And I thought, oh, that's big enough to do salt water. So I uh, I tried to set up a salt water tank in a 55-gallon tank with uh, a canister filter, crushed coral. Um, at the end, I had a tomato clownfish swimming around in a sea of cyanobacteria that looked like an anemone. <laughs> um, but it was ugly and an utter failure. Uh, so I took all the salt water out of it and then used the coral decorations and made it an African cichlid tank because they like high pH. And then I got into that realm. Uh, we moved around a bit. I went up to Canada, didn't do much with fish keeping, had a freshwater tank, uh, had a blast up there. So, you know, yeah, the smoke from the fire sucks, but it's it's pretty, like the people are great. I had like high school up there was, I didn't have time to have a fish tank. I was having too much fun. Uh, dad says we're moving to Colorado. I was not happy about that, even though Colorado is a beautiful state because, you know, you, you, you have your friends and everything's fun. So we moved to Colorado and I was like, this sucks. And it was the summer before enrolling into college and you're like living with your parents in the suburbs of Colorado with no friends. Like, it's not like, you know, there's other college age kids around. So my dad was like, hey, why don't you set up a fish tank? You know, like they were just trying to distract me. Uh, So that was round two of saltwater. Uh, I remember going to Denver International Airport, which was newly built, and picking up Florida Live Rock that the guy like called me that morning, like, I'm on the boat, you know, going to go grab it now. You know, (laughs) like like, like that was when they were allowed to, you know, not – this was pre – live rock band before sure you know was. you could... <laughs> that stuff was awesome dude it came in and it was like you know halameda and sponges and anyway put that all in a tank ended up with like 20 urchins uh out of the live rock and fish that i didn't buy and it was just a really cool experience had a skilter on the back for anybody that remembers um it had two grow lights from home depot and two actinic lights from the pet store Sounds like Everything an ATM grew. build. Yeah. Ooh. 
Um, the inspiration of that tank was an article that I want to say Julian Sprung wrote, maybe somebody else in one of those annual, remember the annual magazines that would come out? They'd only come out like once a year, Raj. I don't know if you remember what that. What's the name of your back I remember, but. I, I'm not going to go to the bookcase because you guys are going to make fun of me because I have them. But it was just talking about, it's sort of like, oh, reef keeping's too expensive because yeah. back then you had like Dupla and JP Burles and wet dry filters with fancy spinning bars and everything was really expensive. And, and there there was no social media trolls back then to say, oh, this hobby's too expensive. But, um, but this article is basically like... Uh, you know, just throw some live rock in a bare bottom tank, put a hang on the back filter on the back, and you can have a cool saltwater tank, you know. And I I think Julian wrote it. Um, but that was my inspiration. Like, oh, I can afford to do this. Um, I kept that tank going for a little while. Uh, and then I, I got, like, more serious into I was like, I, I really want to get into reef keeping. And I think everybody knows the rest of the story. I, I set up a 29-gallon... Um, I had a CPR backpack skimmer, Power Compact Lives from Custom Sea Life, for anybody that remembers these companies. And I went to Neptune's to buy some corals. And then I went to this other reef store in downtown Denver and met this really punky dude named Jake who, like, you know, <laughs> was like, like, he literally was like, here's some super glue. Here's your first Acropora frag. Go home and glue this to a rock, right? And I was like, what? And yeah, the rest is history. So. That would be my origin that's cool. story. That's cool. Uh, I never, th- and that's the thing is whenever I had my first saltwater tank, I never took it beyond like just what I could find at the local fish store. You know what I mean? You guys are all in books and <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm just like, um, I like this damsel and this clownfish. Um, I got this, uh, this really cool canister filter from a freshwater system. And that's what I'm using. Um, my, I think, I think it all really started at the fair. I don't know if it really starts at the fair for a lot of people with the feeder goldfish that, you know, you go to play the game, you toss the ping pong mm-hmm. balls in the bowls, and then you, you know, you get a 10 cent feeder goldfish that you think is like the coolest thing in the world. Um, and my first one was, I was probably six years old, maybe seven, probably like five or six, I would say. And I named it radish. And, uh, I was being watched by a babysitter that night and I pulled the goldfish out of the tank and killed it uh not intentionally my mom came home and my explanation this is what she says is that i was trying to hug the fish uh, (laughs) (laughs) and that did not go well so i don't know if that was my first like imprinting moment of of having like a a, an animal in care or a fish in care or something like that but i also had a 29 gallon uh freshwater tank i had mollies and um, uh, the, the thing that really did it for me was convict cichlids. Oh yeah. And those guys, I didn't know at the time, but they breed like crazy. They spawn like crazy. So you find the female, you find the male and it doesn't really matter how old they are. They're just, you know, just going to be eggs. And I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world because right around high school and I convinced my biology teacher for, you know, to set up a tank in the back of the room. And I was going to do this whole, like, you know, chart spawning dates and how many fry are alive and all the things. And I was a huge biology nerd in high school and had a really great teacher and she let me do it. And I was like, hell yeah. So I got this aquarium from the greenhouse and I went to go set it up in the classroom. There's this, I was a, a junior or a senior at the time and there's a freshman biology class in there. 
and I was like, how fast do you think I can fill up this tank? And I'm filling it up and I'm filling it up. And then one of the freshmen goes, Hey, you're, uh, you're leaking. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I did not notice that there was a giant crack in the bottom of this tank. So underneath the substrate was this like huge crack from corner to corner. And the water's just like pouring out of this thing. So me thinking I'm this like cool, like scientist going to start, you know, breeding some fish in class. And, uh, yeah, it, that, that did not go very well, but that kind of led into my first saltwater tank, which is, was weird because you, you said something about how your first tank Mark was like a kind of a hand-me-down or like a gift or one of your initial tanks. Yeah. This was a guy across the street that had a 30 long and he had a bunch of, he had like a Corey in it and like Danios and you know, all the like easy freshwater stuff. And I turned it into a saltwater tank complete with that canister filter still. <laughs> and by the time I graduated college, I just had a damsel and a clownfish and that was pretty much it. So, and then girls took over and I didn't really revisit the hobby until probably like 2010 or 11 or something like oh. that. So yeah, not as extensive, not as like in depth as, as y'all, but, uh, do you, yeah, still. do you remember that Bugs Bunny episode with the Abominable Snowman, which was like a play on Lenny and uh, of Mice and Men? Like, my own oh, yeah. my little bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. I will kiss him. I love him. And he, that's what I was picturing when you loving yeah. the goldfish to death. <laughs> you can't hug the goldfish. Uh, you can hug the tank. Just don't hug the goldfish. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my, my origin story, I guess, for for that but yeah saltwater has always been kind of a uh, that that unattainable attainable thing for me just because of the cost you know i feel like it it's always had that reputation of being more expensive and i guess to some degree it, it is and you can get into this hobby for cheap but i think it in also some ways you can get a 200 dollar tank and get all the things that you need for it but you're kind of going to pay for that in the long run yeah just in water changes in time and attention that you need to to give to that tank and i'm not saying that you know 150 gallon tank isn't also going to cause you some headaches but um yeah i I think that 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 cost that cost barrier had always prevented me from really getting into it uh but it sounds like mark was super rich as a kid so he's he's importing live rock from florida and things like that (laughs) that wasn't that expensive uh (laughs) And that was the same 55-gallon tank then. I, we, it just moved around with us everywhere that we got from that family, friend, neighbor thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think nano tanks have helped. And, yeah, there were people keeping small reef tanks back in the day, but even lighting a nano back in early 2000s was difficult. Like, there weren't... I mean, you could do compact fluorescence, but even those... You had to go with at least a 10-gallon tank, you know, 20 inches, because the bulbs. Yeah. Uh, there was, I think Coralife had some weird, like, 5-watt ones, but they sucked. But now with, like, LEDs and all-in-ones where the filtration's built in, like, none of that was available. So if you were like, I'm going to keep a 5-gallon reef tank, people were like, good luck. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to cook it with your lights. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's helped open the door a bit because the equipment has caught up to to not that a 
nano is easy. I'm not I suck at nanos. I've, I've always sucked at them. So, uh, I don't know how you guys do it. Like I need a tang to keep everything in check and I don't want to be the guy that puts a tang in a 10 gallon tank. <laughs> tank so. police yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah. I can't uh, do the nanos either. Me. That was never my thing. I tried and I say I tried with a nano, but it, I think it was like 50 gallons. Um, that was, a, it, I just couldn't do it. It was too small. Yeah, I see. I struggled with it. It's been suggested several times that uh, we all have a little nano competition amongst ourselves. <laughs> I knew he was gonna have. I, knew I will Mark's fail. Reaction. That's, That's what I keep telling him. <laughs> like, like immediate. <laughs> it's gonna be. I bad. think I commented on that guy's post and I said, "Yeah, Mark's gonna love that." <laughs> it's gonna be the worst <laughs> tanks ever. He's going to have baby tangs and baby like fox faces in there. <laughs> Give me the smallest you got. Yeah. And then I'll Photoshop them out. Like, yeah, everything's going great. I don't have an algae issue at all. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's go through a couple comments here before we get out of here. Um, Ryan says, love the podcast. I think you guys are doing a great job. I'm not sure if people listen to Reef Therapy to hear about anything other than Reef Tanks. Um, sorry about the guitars today. <laughs> Uh, seems like seems like a missed opportunity to talk about coral spawning since they're experts. Uh, I have so many questions. I have I wish some of them would have been answered. Um, I'm not sure what he's referring. I think we're, maybe he's. This was on Sarah's video, um, and we didn't really press hard on the process of coral spawning. And I think I want to in the future, but I think that the, we need like a Jamie Craggs on with us or something to do that. Because I think he's got a lot of the answers. I've, I've read through his paper um, recently, and it's totally doable. I think my only questions are, because the tank that they used, the broodstock tank that they used was 200 gallons with a sump. Does it have to be that big? And then I forget what the other question I had was. Does it have to be totally, like, does the ambient light have to be totally filtered out now? Because he said he was doing this in his kitchen. So I don't know if, like... It's it's that much of a factor because I remember the first time I heard about this, you had to have the tank in a totally blacked out room with no ambient right. light. Just has to be the light from you know from the program that you set for Indo or you know Great Barrier Reef or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, lo a lot of questions I have okay. too. Because so. uh, I want to try. On. It's on my goal Craig sheet. Said he will come on to start by the end of the year, and he will chat with us. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Figure out a time and do it. You should have a, a nano contest tanks for coral spawning. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys know right now I'm going to cheat. <laughs> How do you cheat with that? Don't worry Just about it. Buy Don't eggs. worry about it. Just be in awe of my awesome tank when I win. Yeah. Uh, nema, nemato lab. Nema, Nematolab. Listen to, to, to this at work. Absolutely fascinating episode. Sarah's work with coral conservation is amazing. She's exactly right about home spawning. It will be the future of our hobby. The fact that uh, folks like Rich Ross are on F2 and F3 offspring is uh, all what we need to get started on our own. That said, we need to be aware of species rearing. And as hobbyists, we need to select corals that aren't being bred by other people. He said that he selected Cinerina because... He couldn't find anybody else who had done it. And then he found a lab in Japan that did it four years ago. They still haven't responded to my emails. I'm still crossing my fingers for eggs next season. So 
that'd be it that that's an interesting thing too like okay so we're we're gonna try and do all this spawning maybe we should each try different corals too i don't know i mean you can always on. improve on what's already been done yeah yeah that and i feel like the quickest way to incite more inspiration is to have good like have yeah. success you know at some point early on so you're like okay got it got the process let's you know try another another genus here um and then uh, nathan cross says i grew up in that area 30a is not a secret anymore so those are the only questions i really are the only comments that i really had for this episode i know you guys responded to some too yeah so anything else before uh before we get out of here tonight that's all i, I got thanks that's all I got. <laughs> well, and that'd be a weird competition. Red Sea 625s <laughs> or Red Sea 650? How do you determine the finish line? Like, okay, we're done. Now let's judge, you know, a year? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be weird. I mean, it'd have to be, I feel like it'd have to be, you know, from water in to six to eight months or eight months or eight months to a year or whatever. And then have a fan vote on who's got the best looking Ooh. nano. But there has to be progress picks, so you can't just set it up the day before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something that Raj would end up doing. <laughs> huh. I got this Jason Fox home record in here. I've got this uh, Walt so, Disney. <laughs> well, so then there would need to be some parameters set. Maybe we can only have x number of corals maybe even the same exact corals yeah same equipment same equipment it depends on what we're competing on right is it our or just like set a budget i don't know uh, ooh, do that that could be cool i know a guy that would give me super great deals so i would kick your guys' asses in that department. <laughs> yeah you got like all the wholesale connections i gotta go buy mine at like bulk reef supply <laughs> you know, wait for that 10 percent off coupon on <laughs> yeah you just missed the appreciation day yeah Mark. you're screwed <laughs> or raj could just like build one at cost you know it's like oh <laughs> yeah it was a it was a scratching oh. day i got it for 10 bucks who knew yeah it's a really cool mrc hybrid tank i don't know where it came from yeah no okay well, yeah, if you have any suggestions, leave them in the comment section, and uh, we'll take those into consideration. I'll take them into consideration. I don't know about <laughs> the other two, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, for me, another tank at this point, setting up another tank, I really don't want to do it. Uh, so, yeah. We'll, well, Jake we'll, had we'll that where he was like, that. let's both set up like a tank that's not expensive because again the endless debate of whether the hobby is expensive and i was like i don't i don't want to do that yeah. you know it's like this i have a tank that's not that expensive if you think about it but uh down here in the basement but it's like i don't i don't want to set up a tank with a skilter and you know cheap crappy lights and be like see you know like it's like yeah it's yeah. it's it's certainly doable and there's plenty of people that are doing it so I don't know. I don't want a nano. I just don't want one in my house. So now I got to set up a nano and <laughs> take care of it. <laughs> it's like when my daughter got a pet lizard and got bored with it after, a week later. And then like, now I own, now I own a lizard, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, it's just me and waffles down here. 
Waffles the leopard gecko. Oh, you got one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a I had one when I was a kid, so my 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 uh, the other extension of my room was a saltwater tank, two freshwater tanks, two leopard gecko tanks, a parakeet, a cockatiel, and I think that's it for the animals. All in your bedroom? I think I had a yeah. Oh, yeah. Do the girls. I was about it. to ask. Like. <laughs> <laughs> they walk down and they're like, Dr. Doolittle, hot. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> That's intense, man. It is intense. It was very loud. How'd you sleep? Like, aren't some of those birds nocturnal and stuff? Uh, I don't my, You know, we always put the blanket over the cage to simulate nighttime. But my mom would do that Do that during the day. This is super morbid. and But it was a long time ago, so we're out of the... We're out of the what do they call it? The statute of limitations, so it doesn't matter. Um she put this blanket over the cage to to keep the parakeets quiet and I came home and she was bawling her eyes out, just bawling. And I was like, What happened? And she goes, The, the parakeet hung himself <laughs> and apparently the parakeet was like nipping at one of the one of the pieces of fabric on oh, the blanket no. and came it came in and the it was hanging by its neck and the other the green that had two budgies in there at the time and the green one was just like you know i don't know what the, i don't know what happened it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i was i was a regular dr doolittle in high school for sure we were talking about our, our moms being uh obsessed with cleaning uh my mom vacuumed like every day Yep. And I had yep. um I just bred some African cichlids and I had like the fry in a in a little twenty gallon tank on the ground with a heater, you know, plugged into a thing. And she came in to vacuum my room. I wasn't home, unplugged the heater so she could plug the vacuum in, vacuumed everything. <laughs> um, you know, filters turned off everything got turned off and like all the fry died and I was like, What? <laughs> so Thanks, yeah. Mom. Yeah. See, I was too poor just to have any sh- of that stuff, so I, I didn't kill anything. Had nothing, but you make up for it now that you're rich. Right? <laughs> like, Something like that. Whenever Dark Mark comes up, you need to <laughs> Dark, be Dark Mark and hold and hold that poster up every single time. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. If you have any questions for Mark or Raj or myself, you can put those in the comments section below. Uh, we do a pretty good job of getting back to people on in the comments section. If you're listening to the audio version, just hop on over to. Uh, Instagram or YouTube and ask your question there. We'll do our best. But if you need an ICP test, obviously, icpanalysis.com. He just did, not to make this longer, but they just tested some water from the Bahamas. Did Did you see that? That was pretty cool. Uh, Clean test results, I got to say. Very nice. Uh, that's that's linked up in the um, in the rebuilder stuff right now. But if you want, an ICP analysis has their own um, has their own Instagram page. You can check that out. They posted that photo up. I thought it was pretty cool. I was like seeing ocean water. You know, yeah. what does what does ocean water come in on at an ICP test and pH and alkalinity and all that kind of stuff? So, all right, guys. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll, we'll see you. Appreciate your time. And uh, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.